go next, Robin. Good morning. I'm Nate Smalley. It's lovely to see you all. I'm also a member of Council 3. Um, we're introducing board members right now. So um, other board members other than John Eric. I think Jason is here and also um, Mitch. And so uh, please introduce yourself if you're a board member. Okay, so Jason can't unmute. Um, so um, Nancy, you might need to unmute Jason and unmute Mitch. Thank you. No, I can't. I can't hear anything. Um, Mitch, we can we can hear you, Mitch. So you can just Mitch, we can hear you if you want to introduce yourself. Well, um, maybe we can, I, I, I could. Hey, you can hear me now, right? Yes. Hi, I'm Jason Still. I've been on the board for, for several years. I'm the treasurer this year, finishing up. Um, and somebody will be taking over in January, but I'm not leaving the board. I'm Jason Still, good to meet you all. Thanks, Jason. Mitch, have you guys sorted out your problem? Yeah, finally, <laughs> sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Not that computer uh, literate. I'm Mitch Solomon. I am also on the board. I've been on the board for about three years, I guess. And I am Monica's spouse. Uh, and she's been with Op been with Opamata a long time. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Mitch. And uh, Clayton um, Maxwell is a board member, but I think she's not here this morning. And John Eric, help me. Who else other than you and I? Mino. 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 Is he here? Uh, I haven't seen him yet. I haven't either. Uh, so, Nate. I'm not sure. If, I can't remember if Nate said hello yet. He already, yeah, he, he already okay. introduced himself. Right. Um, so um, welcome, everyone. Thank you for um, making it through that um, awkwardness. Fortunately, we're better at board meetings, but there's so many of us here today that um, it's hard to see everyone all together on this little tiny screen that I'm looking at. Um, but let's go ahead and um, get started, shall we? Um, I'm going to invite John Eric as soon as I can change my settings and find him <laughs> yes. to um, uh, lead us um, today and give us some updates on our, our um, the building and um, and then lead us in um, some questions. And so we'll have a few minutes of updates from John Eric and then we'll have um, some specific questions that I'll be putting in the chat for us to consider in small breakout groups. And then we'll have a really ample amount of time um, to bring forward um, things that came up in the small groups and um, also continue to ask questions and um, think together as a larger group. Um, hopefully that sounds okay with you guys. 
Go ahead, John Eric. All right, thanks, Robin. Really good to see all of you. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, so as Robin said, I'm, I'm gonna provide you an update on uh, everything that's happened so far around the purchase of the Zendo. And I'm gonna do this in uh, mostly a factual way. So I'm just gonna kind of walk you through the process just so you can uh, come along with us and the board and, and see what we've been doing and some of the questions we're asking. And uh, I'll say that a lot of this is still in process. So uh, we're right in the middle of this whole question. Uh, so we felt like this was a good time to, to bring everybody in to this conversation because we really do wanna hear your feedback. And um, I know you guys really wanna know more about what's what's been going on. So um, I'll jump in. So the board met in October to talk about the potential purchase of the Zendo with Peg. So as you know, she's um, moved to Chicago. Peg expressed that time that it was her desire for the Sangha to have a home and that this space has special significance for the community, which we all, I think, resonate with. Uh, we believe at some point later this next year, we'll be able to start sitting in person again. So that's the intention. Um, you know, for the vaccines and everything, then, you know, we'll uh, ostensibly be able to uh, be together again and sit together again. And I know we're all looking forward to that. And uh, not sure what form that will take. Well, you know, might be a hybrid model for a while. Um, some in person, some Zoom, we don't know, but uh, we will need a space at some point. And Peg would really like for that to be um, the current space. So the board met about this question again in October and Peg recused herself from much of the conversation because she as the seller, uh, you know, um, has an interest in, in uh, the property. So she stepped out of the conversation and the board discussed uh, quite a bit and um, decided to take a vote on whether or not to investigate the purchase of the property. So the board voted unanimously to do so. So this vote was not um, saying that we will for sure purchase the property, uh, but it was a motion to move forward with investigating doing so. So that's what we've been doing over the past uh, two months or so. Um, all of this, just to give more context, I'm sure most of you are familiar with this, is possible only because of this bequest that we have uh, through the, the generosity of uh, Robin Reso. Um, and the, the total, you know, um, the full sum of what we have now uh, to work with from her is about $500,000. So very generous uh, request from Robin is, is what's bringing us to this, this question and this possibility. Uh, in addition to the board, just for a little bit more context, we also have a finance committee um, so that's myself, Robin Bradford, Joan Harmon, and Nathan Smalley. Uh, we've been meeting um, uh, until recently, almost every week, talking about you know, all the logistics involved in the purchase and everything that uh, you know, I'll, I'll take you through here in a moment. Um, and uh, with the finance committee and in partnership with the board, our intention is to put some portion, if we were to purchase the property, put some portion down, a significant portion down as a down payment um, to uh, secure a loan and any modifications that we need to make to the property that I'll take you through in a minute, uh, while keeping back a significant amount in savings as an as needed safety net fund. So, um, you know, we sent out a survey to the Sangha uh, several months back before this was even a question and asking, you know, what should we do with this bequest? And one of the, the main things that we saw back as a, as a response was ensure the stability of the Sangha. So we feel like that's 
a, a big part of what Robin intended with the bequest and certainly something that we um, hold as an intention as well. So we'd like to, uh, again, a large down payment and then hold back as much as we can. So for the past few months, uh, the board and the finance committee have been taking the steps towards looking into this purchase and due diligence. So here's some of the things we've been doing. We secured an attorney to help with the purchase because we, uh, um, we don't need a realtor for this transaction. We have a motivated buyer and a motivated seller. Uh, that saves us a lot of fees and there's no need for marketing and all that, that kind of stuff. So that's, that's very fortunate. So we interviewed uh, some real estate attorneys here in Austin and uh, we ended up going with uh, Mike Robertson, who's a local real estate attorney who has generously given us his time pro bono. So he's given us a large bank of hours to work with. We've been working with Mike quite a bit. Uh, he's been fantastic. And then uh, I think as a referral from Mike, we secured another attorney to help with our uh, the question of property taxes. So as a religious organization, as we'd be classified, we're looking into not needing to pay property taxes, which would be uh, great because Austin's very uh, expensive. Um, and uh, so those attorneys are Andrew Albright and Daniel Smith. They're also helping us pro bono. So we have a lot of really fantastic help. We also, uh, one of the first things we needed to do was get an appraisal of the property. You know, are we uh, anywhere near uh, the range being able to afford the property? So uh, Marshall Kirkendall helped us uh, conduct that appraisal and the value of the property came in at $725,000. So that's the um, ostensibly the, the purchase price. Um, so once we answered that question, uh, we had that information in hand, we started, uh, looking to secure financing, which was another a big learning curve for a lot of us. You know, a lot of us have bought and sold homes, but buying one as a um, nonprofit religious organization was a blank slate for a lot of us. So um, a lot of research, uh, a lot of conversations we had around that, but um, thanks to uh, the board, especially Robin uh, and, and Joan, who's on the finance committee and, and Nathan Smalley, um, a lot of uh, those applications were made. And um, we have five lenders now, I think that we're looking at um, that have pretty competitive uh, offers and varied terms. So that's something we still need to, um, we need to look at a little bit more in depth to figure out like which one is actually the best for us. But there's some, there's, uh, some positive offers coming back. So we, we feel like we're in a strong position in that way. Um, and our, our goal with the purchase is to, uh, we don't wanna pay more um, than what we're paying now in rent. So that's about $2,500 a month. So um, as far as, you know, what we would be uh, paying out per month if we were to own the property is about, we want it to be about the same. So uh, interesting things happen when a organization, religious organization uh, wants to purchase a property from an individual. Um, and uh, one of the things is changing the use with the city from residential to re, uh, religious assembly is what it's called. Um, so this requires us to do certain things, uh, ADA upgrades. So uh, we need to make the space accessible to someone with a mobility impairment who might be in a power chair or a wheelchair. Um, fire code improvements, uh, things like exit signs, um, setting occupancy limits, and then parking considerations. So I'm gonna go 
into those a little bit more in, in depth, but I want to uh, uh, mention the two pro bono architectural advisors we've been working with, one of whom is Robert Steinbomer, who's my, my dad and also a local architect, and Bridget uh, Benecke, um, who's been uh, helping us from an architectural standpoint, looking at these questions. Uh, so Robert and uh, Jessica Steinbomer visited the space, um, I think a few weeks ago, uh, while Peg was here, and they took measurements and kind of surveyed everything. Robert evaluated the property with Peg, asked her questions, um, and uh, took a bunch of notes. And uh, also, he's been working with uh, some consultants who specialize in working with the city on code compliance. So he is a, a uh, he and his firm have a have a deep knowledge around this subject, and he he knows who to reach out to. So he um, found some people who. Uh, this is all they do. They do codes with the city. So they've been uh, a great help. Um, so to go into these things a little bit more in depth, the uh, ADA upgrades, the accessibility upgrades, which, you know, um, in talking with the board and the finance committee, we feel like this is something that we really want to do anyway. Uh, you know, it's just we want to make the space more accessible anyway, but the city has, you know, their requirements around it. Uh, so the, the plan is this, but this is subject to change so far. But what we would need to do with the space to make it accessible is uh, widen some of the doors to allow someone to come in with a chair. Um, and uh, we need to convert one of the bathrooms to an accessible bathroom. So after a lot of conversation and looking at different options, uh, it looks like we would be looking at converting the smaller bathroom that's adjacent to the, the library into the accessible uh, bathroom space. So we would lose that one little shower, um, but then we would have an accessible bathroom. That's that's uh, good for the city, we hope. Um, we would also need to add a permanent ramp either to the front or the back door. Along with that, we need accessible parking, which is two paved spaces to allow for a van and a handicapped parking spot sign. So it's a it's a space and then a space for someone to you know, come in and out of a van. Um, this can go in one of two places, either behind the house where there's uh, currently two parking spaces that would need to be paved and then a walkway paved all the way to, we think, the back of the house where someone would come up into the, the library or the front of the house. We would take over a good portion of the yard and put an entry from the street and have a parking space right there in front of the, this, the property. Um, and if, if you remember, or if you've been at the Zendo space recently, the house right next door, as you're looking at it to the right, has, has done something just like that. So you can imagine that's kind of what it would look like. They've, they've got these two parking spaces that come in right off the street. Um, so uh, we still need to get contractors bids on how much this would cost. That's something that we're still looking into. Uh, it's, it's taking its time. Um, the the estimate we think is is up to about fifty thousand dollars to do that work, and again that's that's just kind of based on Robert's uh, experience um, on what he thinks it would cost. So we don't have a uh, he, he feels like that's around the ceiling though. So that's what we we as the board and the finance committee have been using as our like you know uh, top number for how much that would be. Um, Outstanding questions are around the fire code. Uh, we're still determining occupancy. So it's, you know, how many people would be sitting in the, the main congregational space, that sort of thing. We need to know if there's anything uh, required beyond having exit signs. 
uh, it, it doesn't seem that way so far, but we don't know yet. Um, <laughs> excuse me. And uh, another really big consideration is the parking because um, we've had some issues with this in the past. And uh, this is what prompted PEG to secure an agreement with uh, Hornitos, the Mexican restaurant down the street. Um, and so far that, that seems to have been going okay. We haven't uh, heard anything from the city you know, prior to the, the pandemic about that being a, an issue. But it seems that when we um, apply to change from residential to religious use, this is something the city will look at again, we think. Um, so this is definitely something that's on our radar that uh, is very important. Um, and, you know, in our favor with this, uh, we've been operating this way for 15 years. Um, and, um, you know, so that, that should really be in our favor as we have that conversation with the city. But those are, those are really the big, the big factors that I wanted to just be fully transparent with all of you that, you know, these are the things that we're really looking at as, um, you know, uh, decision points on whether the board votes to approve this purchase or not. So, um, some, so just to kind of sum up some outstanding questions, things to be done from here, Robert, our architect and his consultants are going to propose this initial plan to the city. I think they're gonna do that this week uh, and see if there's any big blockers moving forward. So if you've worked with the city, you know this is a process. Um, the, the, uh, the consultants will say basically like, here's our plan, do you see any red flags with this? And the city will give us an answer. That's gonna tell us a lot. Uh, so that, that's gonna be a really key conversation that's happening soon. Um, and then the board is scheduled to meet on Tuesday uh, to talk about this further. And that's why we're really glad you're here because we really wanna consider your feedback as a part of our conversation for um, what we do from here. Um, and uh, we may take a vote on the purchase at the meeting. And if we decide to move forward, we'll get a contract in place between Apamata and PEG that will secure the agreement and the agreement will also allow us for a time um, to basically uh, uh, back out of the deal with no penalty if, for example, you know, we, we decide to sign the contract and then in a week the city says, no way, you can't do this for all these reasons. And it just looks like it's not going to work. Then um, we have the right to uh, basically back out of the contract. And then PEG would be free to sell the, sell the house to a private individual. And that is certainly uh, an option. And um, that's, that's what we're here to talk about. Um, and I think, I think that's, unless other board members, I've missed anything key. I think those are all kind of like the, the main things that we've been working with so far. My, my personal takeaways from this that I just wanna convey before we move into the discussion groups is, I think all of this is doable, uh, pending these conversations with the city and this change of use question, just because it's such a, we don't know what they're gonna say, um, but we have a solid plan. So I, I feel confident in that. Uh, and really, you know, in, in doing this, where we as a Sangha are committing, you know, if, if this is what we do, we're committing to owning a property together. And this is what it's like, you know, if, if you've owned a house, there's, there's always a project, always something happening. There's always stuff to take care of. So all of these things that PEG has just kind of done uh, would now be our, our uh, charge. Um, so 
that's kind of what I've realized as, as we've been going through this process. And I think um, uh, as far as, you know, th there are plans in place for, you know, with the councils to uh, different people to take care of different aspects of the property. And, and you know, we're all gonna work this out together if this is something we decide to do. So I know that's a lot. And uh, there is time after the breakout groups for any clarifying questions, if there's anything that uh, you'd like more information on or anything like that. But I think, I, you know, with all of that, um, take that information into the breakout groups and really um, consider these three questions. What do you value the most about our present Zendo building or an ideal future meeting place for our Sangha? And the second question, what concerns or worries do you have about this topic? And the third question, what opportunities do you envision relating to the Sangha's financial resources to so this bequest of $500,000 and Peg's current move to Chicago and the sale of her property? So what opportunities uh, could be possible? Okay, I think we're, we're on track with our time. So let's move to the, uh, the breakout groups and uh, we'll come back in 15 minutes and uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, thank you, John Eric. Um, the questions are in the chat, so um, you can um, copy them, but they're right there and you'll be able to access them from your breakout room. And um, I'm looking for Nancy, who's our monitor. Um, Nancy, this is the time we'd like to go into a breakout room and it'll be for 15 minutes. And if you can please um, leave John, Eric and I out of the breakout room. So when you go, have you discovered where the breakout rooms are? Uh, yes, I'm doing it right now. Perfect. Yeah. And for um, everyone else, the instructions will be clear. Just follow them on your screen. So you'll be in a group of three people and you'll have 15 minutes to discuss these questions. And I suggest that perhaps each of you take five minutes and then we'll come back together and um, keep an ear out for things that you wanna to share to the larger group that happen in your small group. Thank you, everyone. Hi everyone, welcome back. And I wanna make sure John Eric got back. I'm here. Awesome, thank you. All right, so uh, let's jump into the discussion and just a quick reminder, if, if you don't get a chance to uh, <clears throat> speak during this time that we have left, we are gonna be sending out a survey after this discussion as well, where you can provide your feedback, so. I think um, I'll just, if you could just raise your hand and I'm just gonna kind of scan the images here if you, whoever would like to uh, speak first. I saw Anne's hand go up. I'll help you see if that's okay with you, John Eric. That's great. Hi, Anne. Hey, I did have a question about parking in the front. If we decided to do handicap parking, which would be two parking places in front, mm -hmm. if that would take out the pecan tree in front. <clears throat> That's a great question, and I, and I don't have the full answer, but I think the idea would be there's the pecan tree, there's the sidewalk, and then there's the space to the left of the sidewalk as you look at the house. Is that is that right? 
it's very short. Yeah. Um, I think we would definitely, yeah, we would want to preserve that pecan tree for sure. Yeah. We haven't discussed that yet, but that would be really important. I think we're leaning towards parking in the back, uh, which, which has its own complications with the paved path, but I think that's the, if we could do it that way. You know, there are a lot of raised hands and it is difficult to um, discern them. I wonder if folks would be willing. Um, oh, I think it just might be hard though. Okay, um, I saw Flint's hand next and then I saw Joan and Bill's um, Mueller's hand. So Flint, do you wanna? Yes, just really quickly. Um, in your initial discussion, you didn't say anything about the back house and it's probably something that other people might've asked about. So I, mm -hmm. that's, all, that's all I wanted to, to throw in, that's all. Yeah, thank you, Flint. So the, uh, <clears throat> the idea is that we would have, we have, we have really two options. I think what we're landing on right now is having a caretaker kind of role in that back house. Um, so someone who would uh, live there, take care of the property, you know, and once things are up and running, maybe help, you know, get Zazen ready and that sort of thing. All of the things Peg has been doing that we've kind of taken for granted that she's done with that whole space. So we would have someone there. Um, the initial idea is that we would potentially part, uh, charge that person a, a nominal rent just to kind of help us offset the cost of the property. Um, and it seems like we probably won't be able to do that or shouldn't do that initially, at least because of our uh, trying to get tax exemption status uh, charging and making money from that kind of transaction uh, can get confusing with all the codes and that sort of thing. So uh, we would offer that to someone and um, there would be a, again, this is all in process, but there would be an application submitted and then the board would um, vote on who that person would be. That's the plan so far. Thanks, uh, Joan and uh, Bill. Joan, you'll need to unmute. Yeah, just a, a short thing about the side porch and how much it's a part of our community. Just want to see that there's some space like that in this whole process. And getting up there if you're handicapped isn't an easy thing. So there's got to be a space where you meet and take off your shoes and chat with each other. Yeah, and we would, we would, so uh, the plans include preserving that space and then having, as you said, it is hard to get up and down that, those steps. So we would have a much easier uh, entry and exit with mm -hmm. the uh, accessible design in I addition. One of the things you, you could look at in terms of whether you could uh, pay somebody in, to be a caretaker in the back and so on is having the parent corporation have both this 501c3 which is what you have now, and a 501c4. And then you can hmm. put the person who you're renting to in the 501c4. Okay. Yeah, Thanks, Bill. you're right about that. Um, I want to um, um, kind of invite us. Um, I know we have a lot of questions about the current building, but the questions that we gave you, I hope um, were also more expansive. And so, um, we definitely don't have all the answers to all the questions about the present building. And um, I wanna, I know Bridget has, as an architect has some, some specific questions about the present building. So I'd like her to ask those. And then um, that'll give the rest of us a moment to think about the more expansive questions about concerns or worries. 
and sort of more expansive um, ideas about opportunities. Um, given that um, we still have do we've done a lot of due diligence, but there's still um, a, a fair amount of due diligence to complete um, in order to complete this purchase. And um, Peg um, is very patient, but she doesn't have forever. And so, um, uh, Bridget, go ahead and ask your questions as with your expertise, and then. I'm so sorry, this um, little button is so sensitive. Joan, would you please mute yourself? Thank you. Um, Bridget, go ahead. Okay, well, what I value most about the Zendo and the property is that it's been so well maintained and I especially like the Japanese garden. So I hope that all the planning will do that. My specific concerns are, um, are, are fourfold. Um, one is the the option period that you're proposing with PEG, while I'm sure she would prefer it be shorter rather than longer, I think the change of use is going to trigger a process where the city has to submit it to planning review. Written notifications will have to go out to neighboring property owners who can then comment and that there will even be a public hearing. So I don't know whether um, in the process of, of approaching the city this you know, Monday, um, it's very hard to get a timeline and, and that option period needs to, to weigh the benefits and, you know, whether you fish or cut bait, are you willing to risk, you know, those public comments or things? The other question I have is on the fire marshal. Very often the fire marshal isn't involved until you're actually submitting your plans for design review, but the problem with them is they can create undue, depending on the fire marshal you get, you can get the one, you know, who's who's quite challenging and would require extra expenses that a different fire marshal wouldn't, but it's the luck of the draw. So that's a real thing I think needs to be brought up in these meetings with this, the city on Monday. And then finally was the, the, the thing that Flint raised. I don't know whether the financial analysis of this project is considering the the necessity for the offset in um, in having a you know the income from a tenant. So even if you do what Bill suggests, and I do think that's very wise, a a corporate entity can have a not-for-profit portion and a for-profit portion. And I've been involved in developments where that happens. Um, but it's very important to know who is going to be selecting that tenant and who's going to be the property manager for that tenant. And I see now that you're thinking of combining those roles. Um, I would be happy to help offer and develop the job description for the facility manager, if that's the way you go. Thanks yeah. for listening. Thank you, Bridget. Those are all awesome questions and they're all still open questions. I don't have answers today, um, but these are all things that we're considering um, You know, after this meeting. This is all still very much in flux. And I just wanna to add too, to your point, there's, there's a lot of unknowns here. And someone asked me, I was having a conversation about this with someone the other day and they were like, is this a slam dunk? And I was like, no, this is not a slam dunk. This is a, this is a process and there's a lot um, to figure out from here. So there's a lot of unknowns still that we're still working with. Um, I'd like to, um, I saw Paul's hand and then Shirley's. I also saw Margaret's hand. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, I just wanted to, um, 
uh, like piggyback upon Bridget and specifically what she was talking about related to the fire marshal and the change of use and plans development for the property. I'm uh, formerly the city of Austin fire marshal and I would um, caution us because I think Bridget is right on track. The, the time frame for changes are going to be longer than expected and the potential expenses involved with change of use, you may find that there's going to be um, uh, some some traps that you, that you that you're not be aware of right now as we're doing planning. So, and I'm certainly uh, willing to help in any way I can. I'd be glad to liaison with city fire marshal's office or however. But just my comments. That's great. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much. Um, our group included Elizabeth and Becky and myself, and to get up to a larger, broader um, perspective, we did have quite a bit of time talking about what do we value from the Zendo and what do we think about we want from a future space. It was really interesting of the three people, two of them actually live outside of Austin. Um, so there was some discussion about how making sure that the focus is not on having a space for the Sangha, but to continuing to recognize that a lot of people over the source of the pandemic have really benefited from not having a space mm -hmm. and not, not making that space be a limitation to those, to those folks. The other, there's some dialogue around the question of one of our goals uh, as a Sangha is to increase the diversity of the Sangha. And there were some questions about, is there something about this neighborhood that um, Peg's house is in that would make that harder for us as a Sangha? Are there some locations that better meet those goals and those value systems than, than where, where Peg's house currently is? And would we better be better served to actually move to the east side or someplace else that would give us more not be so kind of upper middle class white central Austin neighborhood. Um, I think everybody enjoys that space. Uh, it's been a, a good space for us. I think the question is what, you know, what are our goals as a Sangha going forward? And there's some think problems that the, while it's a beautiful space, there's some things that'll make it harder for us to, to work on. Mm -hmm. uh, the last question was how, what kind of communications have we had with the neighbors? Because we anticipate that they would be a big part of the change of use process. Yeah, thank you, Shirley. And just to answer that last question, we've not yet engaged the neighborhood. We're we're running these uh, these traps, like you said, Paul. We, we're we're trying to run the traps as quickly as possible to see are there any big red flags, you know, before we feel like we can move forward to the next steps, the next thing to work with. Um, Margaret, and then Cersei. Okay, um, so to add to what we're saying, uh, we really talked a lot about loving the space, but being concerned about, I call it the little house that grew and that will continue to grow. So we've realized how crowded we are inside when we all get back together and if it grows more. Uh, and then what in terms of both our ability to stay there and be in it, uh, the fire code 
you know, what occupancy would be allowed for just the footprint. Uh, so we had those concerns and then started talking about the cost, whether it's 50,000 or 150,000, if you start trying to move walls and things. And for many reasons, are we better served uh, or have we looked at comparables or options, what that would cost for this uh, $500,000 bequest? You know, what is kind of the best use of that going forward? Um, I just also wanna thank you from us for taking this on and making this meeting available and conducting it and the process the way that you have. And I have a few other notes that I'll email to you just from our discussion of the three of us. Great, thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Cersei? Um, so our group echoed a lot of what people are saying in the sense that um, it was Stephanie who's on the road to Houston and also Elizabeth Young. And um, we basically said that we love the space for its history and our memories of beginning our practice there. And um, that a lot of the aesthetics that we love so much are really a result of Peg. And that once Peg has moved everything out of there, it's, it's just a little Hyde Park home. Um, so our concerns were that we need more time, that it feels pressured in terms of the time and to make a wise decision and to weigh all our options that right now we haven't really considered alternative options that would involve, you know, like different design space or better parking or a different location just to weigh it and see what we're looking at in terms of the finances and things like that. So it was more a real concern about how, how quickly are we moving and are we feeling undue pressure because of that? I'm very concerned too, because I serve on the board of another, um, of a, a theater company, another nonprofit, and we've had major issues with the history with, uh, with the city in terms of trying to get things through in a timely fashion. So I think that one of the things we have to consider is that even if we decided weighing all the options that we want to keep the space, we may not be able to. We simply may not be able to, and not in a time frame that will work with PEG. So we need to be have a backup plan or have a plan in place in terms of this. The other thing that we haven't mentioned that I think is worth mentioning is that not only is that we don't know what we're becoming. We're in flux right now. And so we don't know that if we're going to keep expanding and all be like a very, a much larger Sangha that wants to sit together, or if we're going to shrink as a result of, in terms of like our in-presence sitting, we don't really know where we're in a moment of flux. Um, I, have, I have great trust in us as a community that we will continue, but I don't know what the flavor of that is going to be and what exactly our needs are. And so one thing about slowing down is that it might give us a little bit more time as we, we get through this pandemic to figure out what's best and to kind of weigh our options. Um, last thing is that the back house is um, really an important value right now, not only because we could rent it, but it could also be a space for a residential teacher or a caretaker or all those things that if we you know had another place in mind we wouldn't necessarily be able to have in the same way so that's it thank you thank you Cersei. 
Um, Joel, I know you had a question that you um, sent me. Could you ask that question? I think it's a valuable one. And then we'll go back to the other questions. So, uh, I'm sorry, you're talking to me, Robin? Okay, well, I, just that uh, the, the point that Flint makes, I think is the most important one, uh, which is, you know, that we're, we're discussing relatively important but minor things uh, with what happens with the house. But the real question is, uh, how you know, would, would it really be uh, a serious threat to the Sangha if we could not maintain the space? And as Flint has said in his comment, uh, you know, having, having Peg move away and then losing the space might be a real threat to the continuity of the Sangha. My, my reaction, I, I have the same fear and my, rea my reaction to that is to make a suggestion for the, for the uh, survey that's planned to go out to, the, to everybody with the Sangha and to ask uh, directly about that. Uh, I, the, 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 the language I put in chat is not very good. I'm, it can be greatly improved, but basically it is, would you be more likely to disengage from Appamata if the Sangha could not own Peg's house. Um, and actually to hear from a broad section of, of, of respondents about that. So that's what I wanted to say. Thanks, Joel. And um, I know we've gone over time. Um, I'm sure that you have questions or themes that came up that have already been um, sort of um, called out. Um, did your group or do you have concerns, questions, um, visions, or um, thoughts that haven't been framed yet or haven't been heard yet? Or in the comments, we'll copy the comments as well, of course. I'm reading the one from Darcy Schneider said, would Peg be willing to lease to the Sangha to allow more time for? Certainly yeah. something we can investigate. We haven't posed that question yet, but. Uh, Flick, go ahead. I don't know the answer to that question, but I have, since I talk to Peg all the time about this, I think she, in order to to go to the next step for her, she doesn't really want to wait. Mm -hmm. uh, leasing wasn't an option. Uh, now, I'm, I can't answer for her, but that it's not like she can just kind of hang out and lease the property with income. She wants to have a clear go, and so she can purchase her next home in Chicago and move on. But that's, and that's kind of, yeah, and that's kind of the balance that we're in right now is trying to support her ability to move on while also taking the, the time, the due diligence to make this this decision. And if it's okay, if I just say one extra thing, mm -hmm. uh, I, the, the comment that I put in the chat was in response to someone's questions. It's the same comment I had made much more powerfully in the original board meeting. I made a, a, a strong comment and I know I have a strong voice, which said I wasn't sure the Sangha could survive the loss of Peg and the house at the same time. Uh, that was an emotional response. And I think there's a lot of validity to it. But as time has gone on, and most specifically, as I hear all of you today speaking, that's less of a concern to me. 
I hear much broader uh, support, much more flexibility, much more capacity. Yes, it would be powerful um, to, to lose the house and to lose Peg. Um, but I have much more confidence that we could tolerate that. And it might be a better direction to go, given all the barriers. Uh, so I, I was sort of, I wanted to temper my, my, my strong emotional comment with what I'm feeling as I'm immersed with all of you, which gives me a lot more confidence. So, you know, this is an ongoing thing, but I just wanted to make that statement. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Um, it looks like uh, Lauren has her hands up, hand up, and then uh, Kim, and then will that do it? Go ahead, Lauren. Thanks, Robin. Um, I'd like to thank um, especially everybody on the board for all of the footwork that you've done so far and, and uh, stepping up uh, and doing all of this work. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and I know everybody does. Clearly, there are so many unknowns, and um, this is such a difficult time to be making a decision like this because of that. Um, I'm thinking a lot um, right now about the times when the house was so full it seemed it would burst, and we, you know, we we're you know, elbow to elbow, and that's just wonderful, and also a little claustrophobic. And um, and I agree with Ann Lipscomb that um, perhaps a new space would be invigorating to the Sangha and, and, and much more practical. Um, $750,000 is a lot of, of money, um, which offers us so many uh, choices and possibilities. And I, um, I would wholeheartedly support the purchase of Peg's house if it works out, but I also want to consider um, just what we could do with that money um, if we uh, sort of, you know, open up our thinking and, and consider, you know, other possibilities. Um, and uh, I don't want to undercut the work that you have done. Like I said, I so appreciate it and I support it wholeheartedly. And I think it's important to consider other options in light of the growing of our Sangha and in the light of Robin, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you say recently that once the um, house is purchased by a nonprofit that it can no longer revert to a private property? Is that a mistake on my part? Yeah, that's not accurate. Um, the house could be sold to anyone, um, but the cash, the proceeds could not go to an individual um, they would go, um, the organization has bylaws and the bylaws have dissolution language and that's required by the state so that people don't, you know, make, individually make profits, that's charitable money and so that money would go, would be Appamata's money to do whatever it liked or if Appamata dissolved, it would go to another nonprofit organization. So there's no problem with reselling the house if we were to purchase it, um, but um, as John Eric said, there's a difference between an individual owning it as a residential property. And um, though we don't have any problems with zoning, um, because we're a religious assembly organization, um, it does trigger this other building code information. Um, so Kim, I think was the other person who had a question. Yeah, I have two points and they're kind of connected. One going with what Lauren said, um, the way I understand it when I've been asking about how much it costs to for Abamata to exist per year 
it's about $278 a day uh, to maintain that building, which is about $100,000. And like Lauren said, how do we want to, you know, what would we do if we really had that money to spend? What could we do? The other thing is we talk about, I really treasure um, what we've gained from Zoom in terms of uh, other people from Canada, United Kingdom, Switzerland, Scotland, all these places, um, Dallas, New Mexico. And um, I've been talking to teachers about what, what's it like to do a hybrid situation. And that's very different than Zoom. And there's a lot of problems with that. For example, this breakout room, if some of us were in the same space and some of us were on Zoom, it becomes very confusing for the people in the same space because they're hearing each other's voice and they're not in separate rooms. And so um, it's not so easy as just to have a webcam in the corner of the room once some once we're there. And I think that's something also we need to look at. And there's also a, a funny story I heard at the beginning of the internet, and I'll tell it really quickly. And that is a Catholic priest was so outrageous that they wouldn't give him a parish. So he started an online parish and became the biggest one in the world. And I can find no uh, support that this actually happened, though I remember hearing it many years ago. But uh, there is that possibility. I think we're doing incredibly well right now. And I agree with Flint that, you know, seeing us all here, there is this possibility that we don't actually have a physical space, but that we meet at Central Market, those in Austin and those other places meet other places. We have retreats maybe twice a year, week-long retreats in other places where we bring Flint and Peg or, uh, you know, we go there. Uh, uh, Lori does her wonderful walk, which could be in different places and we could do that. So there's a lot of possibilities without actually owning. And, and all of us who have owned houses know that it's kind of, we're kind of a slave to our job, we have to have this job so we can support the house we own, or we have to all, all this time so we can do this. So it's not just, um, I mean, it's nice to have the house, but then is it worth it $278 a day? So I, anyway. Thank you, Kim. That's um, my thought. Thanks, Kim. Those are great thoughts as always. Um, I want to end with Joan, a previous head student and our past board chair. I just have a question. Uh, Kim brought up a good point where he says we're doing so well as we are. I was wondering how are our donations? Uh, what is our financial situation now compared to last year this time? Yeah, thanks, Joan. Uh, and we'll be sending out another financial update. We're gonna do that quarterly from, from now on to be more transparent about that. Our donations are on track with last year. So um, a lot of that has, uh, the, the sources have shifted a little bit. So a lot of our donations are coming in from other places as the Sangha has kind of grown into this cloud model. Um, but, you know, month over month, we've been tracking that since the pandemic started. Uh, uh, Jason as the treasurer prepares these reports before every meeting. So we've been looking at that to see how donations are doing. We're, we're on track with last year. So we still feel um, Can you give some kind of idea of a figure Okay. Yeah. Donations aside from the bequest, 
Last year, the, the total year was 68,310. And right now we have 60,842. Um, so we have the month of December. So we're, we've been stable given the COVID changes. I, it's been stable, it's been good. So the additional money would need to come from, for example, when people uh, pay for an event or give money to an, for an event for something. We, we, yeah, that's Kim, to add to your point, our budget per month for the month of 2020 or the year of 2020 is um, $11,819 thanks to Joan, John, and everyone else who contributed for the planning, we've, we've been on track. Um, it, it, now, we are going to send out the end of your letter. We always count on those donations, right? So I plan- Wait, on you're saying the budget is 11, it costs 11,000, but we're only getting 60,000 a year. So that's yeah. half. I, I, so 11,000, that's, Total. So we're going to probably get a little wonky in some of the some of the numbers because there's program fees, things like that. But when we track, I mean, I could bring up some charts right now. I, I, I could show you the donation. I think that, um, I think that needs to be another meeting. Um, it's totally um, right that the Sangha have complete transparency about the financials. And Jason has put us in a really great position to share that information. And most recently, I know um, John Eric sent um, kind of a snapshot of that back in October. So you might want to pull up that email from the Akamata list. I feel like we need to respect um, each other's time. And this won't be the last um, song meeting about this. Um, I think the board and the councils will get together and think about the best way to um, move forward, both in terms of continuing um, a conversation as a Sangha in as many different ways as we can. And then also um, sort of um, Tuesday night when the board meets, we will, um, I think, be really deeply considering um, the, some of you have pointed at this and I think it's obvious, but I just wanna um, you know, say it, is that um, of course, when Peg um, you know, told the board that she, would, that she wanted to leave and then, um, um, sort of moved up her move date um, by um, from sort of open-ended to pretty quickly. Um, that meant that the board, I think, needed to first as a pride uh, as the the highest priority look at purchasing the house. Not because it was necessarily the right thing to do, but we needed to figure out is it an option. And so first it was, well, is zoning gonna be a problem? No. Is um, getting a loan gonna be a problem? No. Um, and so now we're kind of, we've gone through a lot of gates and now we're in these um, much more detailed, complicated, uh, time consuming. Um, I think John Eric and I have been working full time for Appamata some days of the last few weeks. And also um, by marriage, Jessica, <laughs> and um, Jason, um, Joan, and Nate have also just been so generous with their time and energy. And that will continue. We're all committed to that, as I know, you know so many of you are. The challenge is that there is a time, there's a deadline so that 
Peg can continue with her life <laughs> and have a home and a place to live because Appamata um, pays her $2,500 a month to rent um, the front house and um, she needs access to her resources, more resources than that in order to continue um, in her new home. And so um, you've given us great, um, just such great feedback and input. Um, and someone asked about the deadline. Originally it was January 11th. Um, I think John Eric, do you have the most recent information because you've been working with Peg on the contract? Do you have a sense of what her hard deadline is? Uh, Knowing I, that I she think will be generous, but still it and, and we need to be generous with her in return. And I think that that's what you were speaking to, Robin, that we need to allow her to move forward and, and purchase a new property with the proceeds of the sale of this property. And she's essentially um, not able to move forward until that happens. She can't, you know, you can't make an offer on a property and say, because there's always a contingency, you know, on the, on the sale of the property that you currently own. So that's why we've been moving so quickly uh, with, with all due course to, to try to make this, this work, but we need to, um, we need to make a decision so that we can all move forward. Um, and I think we're wrapping up, but I, I'm so grateful for all of you showing up today and, and providing your voices. And I've been just kind of scanning the, the chat while we've been talking here and there's really great questions. Um, so thank you. And, uh, Please do respond to the survey if you've not yet spoken or you want to provide more feedback. That will all directly inform our decision on Tuesday when the board meets. So thank you all for being here and also for staying late, staying after the time. So good to see you. Thank you so much. Um, watch for the survey later today on the Oppermata list. And then also, if you want to communicate with any board members, um, our, you can email us through the website. Um, if you go to apamata.org, people, and then go to the board, and you can email any of us through that, and we will um, put all this information together um, prior to our meeting on Tuesday. Thank you so much, everyone. And I think I have service to finish, so for those of you that want to stay for that, um, I will get on that. <laughs>